Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following presentation is brought to you by Sports Ethos. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David, Candace, and Isaac. The entire crew is here with you tonight. We are going to be discussing the post, I don't know, like, how do you wear that? Like, end of season media availability, I guess. Yeah. yeah I'm going to go, I was going to say postseason media availability. Exit interviews. Yeah, exit interviews. Yeah, exit interviews it is. And then some news today that was dropped, um, although <laughs> it, it was not really news to anybody that was sitting in that room for the exit interviews. When Zach Kleiman was asked about Dylan Brooks the first time, he said, I'm not going to talk about Dylan today. We can talk about him in a later day. Yeah, you knew it was over. I'm going to hit on DB today. And yeah, then, you knew, knew that was it then at that point. If, if that wasn't enough for you, later on during Kleiman's time at the podium, somebody else, else asked about him. And I will say, like, Kleiman handled the second question slightly better, but it was still pretty obvious. Kleiman talked about Dylan's character and how the story in the media, like the the persona that's being built by the media for Dylan Brooks is completely incorrect. And, and how, if you sit down with Dylan and spend any time with him at all, this stuff that they're talking about in the media is not accurate. So I was glad that he at least took a little bit of time to give him some credit, even though it wasn't really basketball related. It was more about Dylan as a person, but yeah, it was, extremely obvious i actually called one of my buddies as soon as i left the forum i was uh i was on bb king by the taco bell getting ready to turn and get back on interstate 55 and i'm like dylan brooks has played his last game as a grizzly all right well at, at least for now you know maybe he comes back at the end of his career who knows you never know with the nba but it, it was it was just out of anything that happened any of the questions any of the stuff that was asked to climb indirectly, the writing on the wall was the most clear that Dylan Brooks was not going to play another game as a Grizzly. And then today, Shams, Shams, I always screw that dude's name up, man. I, it's it's Shams. It's Shams. I, I, know, I know it is, but I called him Shams for so long, I just cannot get it out of my head. The, the real God, as he calls himself. Yeah, he he <laughs> tweets out, and, and, and I'm going to say this. People are going nuts. The national media are going crazy about the wording of this tweet and how it's super shitty of the Grizzlies. If that's how they done it, they they need to check themselves. Da, da, da. It goes on and on and on. You got a bunch of these national media guys that were shitting on the Grizzlies less than five days ago. Right, flipped completely like, flipping the script. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you're doing this on. Just shut up, bro. Just shut up, like. It's completely plausible that the under any circumstances was put on there by Shams. There's no way to no way to read his front office that. I told you I I can't I can't I screwed his name up again. It is not intentional. I will work on that. I promise you. But it did not come from the front office like that. No, at all. I don't think it was released by the front office at all. I don't think the front office had any had any reason to release the information that was released. If they weren't going to sign Dylan Brooks, I mean, they don't sign. They didn't sign Kyle Anderson. Did they make a public announcement at any point, rude or unrude, about their not re-signing Kyle Anderson? No, they just didn't. They just didn't re-sign him. Like, I don't understand why why people. I mean, most teams don't do that. Like that's it's really not a common thing to see a team announce that they're not going to re-sign an unrestricted free agent. And, and this like superstar name. And I was gonna say this front office specifically. There's that ain't Zach Lyman. There's no way that Zach Lyman, they these dudes are buttoned up as it gets, probably the most buttoned up team in the league. You don't hear anything from them. They're not putting out a statement like that. And the people that kind of push back on that notion, they're saying, Oh, well, you kind of the one reason why you think that they definitely wouldn't do it because it takes away their leverage in case you're looking at a, a sign and trade, people are like, Oh, nobody's gonna sign and trade for Dylan Brooks, even if that's the case. Like you're still gonna keep 
whatever little leverage that you have in that situation, there's right. just no benefit for the Grizzlies to release that statement like that. I saw Chris Harrington uh, put out a tweet uh, not too long ago, kind of explaining that he feels like that was probably Shum's words uh, under no circumstances. But there's no way that this front office put that statement out that way because there's no reason. And as Candace said, I mean, no teams don't even comment on that. I saw some people say, well, if the Grizzlies didn't do it, then Zach needs to come out with some kind of statement. That's not a normal thing. Teams yeah. don't come out with an announcement that says we're not going to resign a guy. That's not something that happens. But there's no way. you If you watch this front office, it, it, the way they're buttoned up and the way they handle things, there is no way that they put that statement out like that. I I, I just don't believe it. I, yeah. I'm I'm just – we. Dylan Brooks has been a polarizing player through most of his tenure, regardless of the era. <laughs> well, really, he's been a polarizing figure for a long time in, in Grizz Nation. So it is not a surprise to me that the one person who exits has it happened in the most polarizing way. And we're going to say that suddenly now the Grizzlies who have changed the script. No, it's no. who's been polarizing through his entire tenure with the Memphis Grizzlies has a polarizing exit. Go figure. It comes from his side. Obviously it gives him uh, one. It makes him look it seems sympathetic, sympathetic yeah. figure. And yeah. it makes him what? Like, I, I guess, make the Grizzlies organization look bad because some people have criticized the front office. And, you know, not only do people know not know that that were that those were their words, if they were, it was to Dylan specifically. And I'm not really sure that they were. Like Chris Harrington implied that there was nowhere where those words were particularly in quotes when it came from the original tweet. Um, that was maybe just his understanding of things. And it, it really has gotten completely out of hand. Yeah, it's I I saw kind of mixed. Oh, well, what does Dylan Brooks have to gain from leaking this? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to touch on. You know, when let let me ask you something if you leave a job and you're upset with the management of the job that you're leaving, are you saying nice stuff about them? Are you just like, F them, right? And that's kind of what this is, and and this is, I should have led with this. It's, we don't know a hundred percent for sure exactly where this came from, but I'm, I'm willing to bet anything that it did not come from the Grizzlies and anything that we say regarding Dylan Brooks and what he may or may not have said, it's all speculation. We don't have any report saying that this is what happened or that is what happened. But the, the exact thing that Candace mentioned with him being the sympathetic figure that's to gain for him. He's going to get another contract. That's going to happen. Anybody that's out here making statements about, oh, he's not going to be in the NBA, <laughs> he won't get another contract, is just an un- uneducated idiot, man. There's yeah. no way that a six foot seven inch guy that plays defense the way that he does is not going to get a contract somewhere. Is it going to be twenty or twenty five million a year? No, he's got he's in for a rude awakening. If he thinks he's going to get that kind of money, he's going to get another contract. It may not be what he wants, but he definitely had something to gain from this, even if it was only throwing mud on the Grizzlies. And, and I was going to say to the statement that was put out, that there are people that push back and say, why would Dylan side leak that? Because that tanks his value because it shows that the Grizzlies, how bad they want to get rid of him. That, that's not a secret. Like, if nobody said anything and, and he didn't resign, everybody knows how this situation played out. So that's not going to be some big reveal like all oh, the Grizzlies want them away from their team. So him saying that doesn't, doesn't change it. The only thing it does is make the Grizzlies look as, as bad as he can make them look. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why this, the, the statement would make sense coming from his side because it just doesn't do anything for the Grizzlies. Like you said, even if they – the chances of a signing trade are small – there's there's still a small chance. So they're not going to do anything to kind of hurt that value. So this is 100% easier leak from him or his agent or someone in this camp. I don't think there's any any question about that. Um, but as far as Dylan, man, if Dylan is concerned, he's one of the, the, the pillars of next grid, next grid's gen. If you made a Mount Rushmore of next grid gen, he would def, grid, he'd definitely be on there. Um, I, it's just kind of tough. To see it end like this, I wish it could have gone another way, but I, I'm at the point now, man, where he had to go. Um, yeah, I yeah, think I think this season, yeah, I think his season, this season, 
what happened was his game continued, the offensive game continued to deteriorate, and it got to the point to where his his mouth overshadowed his game. Uh, I mean, I think he made the whole team look bad. Now, a lot of people, I know Candace kind of kind of thought this as well. A lot of people felt like his comments during the playoffs kind of woke the Lakers up. I don't really buy that. I, I think his comments and antics throughout the year kind of led to played a big part in kind of the, the the reputation that the Grizzlies had. And I think that the outside noise and all the stuff that that created, I think that weighed on the team this year. And I think more of that was an issue other than him poking a bear or whatever. I'm not so far down that train. I don't think that – I think the Lakers were going to do what they were going to do regardless. I don't think him saying that really swung this series or anything like that. But once you got to that point, man, you just made the entire team look weak. And then you say all this stuff, and then you lose a couple games on the road. You skip out on media availability. And, I mean, he just became an offensive terrorist. I mean, I don't know if there's – Anything else you could say, man, just a guy that missed shots and just continued and continued to take shots. And then go come to the end of the, end of the season media availability, comes up there and basically says that he wanted to, he wanted more shots to try to get in the rhythm that they didn't give him enough <laughs> shots. I mean, that's like I said, the least most least self aware person I've ever seen in my life, man. It's he just had to go, man. I I hate it because again, man, he's in a big part of this, big part of this Grizz turnaround. Like he was a beloved figure in that locker room. I mean, there's no question about that, man. But sometimes things just run its course. And, and you could tell that Zach Kleiman and, and his front office, they were pissed. I mean, he even said that, talked about the the unnecessary, I guess, basically voluntary distractions, distractions that were created that were unnecessary. And yeah. we, we obviously know that they're talking about Dylan Brooks when, when he said that. But, again, man, there, those comments, there's no way that that came from this front office. I, I don't believe it. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before, but – as David said, I would bet anything that Zach Kleiman didn't say that. They, they they wouldn't have put that statement out there. This team is just too calculated and buttoned up to to go off script like that. I, I just don't I just don't buy. Yeah, I'm I I think self inflicted was used a couple times when Kleiman was talking, when Jenkins was talking. It it was Listen, you if you if you have listened to this show any amount of time at all, you know that I was a Dylan Brooks guy. Like I, I supported him through, like when essentially almost every other member of Grizz Nation was crapping all over this dude because of what he brought to this team. And, and I put the tweet out today. I know that there's going to be Dylan slander because people are gonna be like, "Oh, I'm so glad that he's gone." Da da da, and that's fine if that's where you're at. But you cannot take away what he done during his time here. He was a net positive for this team almost any time that he was on the floor, specifically regular season. He did have some struggles in the playoffs, and that's when it matters is in the playoffs. But it was, you know, he when he was asked about the comments made to LeBron James, he doubled down. I'm not scared. I didn't, I'm a competitor. It's what I, I'm going to do. I'm going to compete. And he did say he felt like it didn't make a difference. LeBron had been out of the playoffs. He was ready to play. And if you go back and you look at the games, it's not like LeBron just had some sort of absolutely monster dominant game after, after Dylan was talking crap. That's not the way it went down. So like, like whether it, it made an impact on, how much the Lakers were the Lakers playing harder or not? I, I don't know, but I will tell you that John ja Morant said in the in the exit interviews, his comment was the Lakers came to play every night and we didn't. And so maybe like if if you want to believe that Dylan Brooks' comments affected what the Lakers done, man. Okay, that's fine, but I, I think that it boils down to this team just wasn't ready to take that next step this year. Yeah, I I I, I disagree. I disagree a little bit to some extent. Now, I, I don't think LeBron was as phased him himself. I think you know it. You never want to put a bulletin bulletin board material around this time of year anyway. It's just in general. Uh, I think LeBron's been around enough to where it didn't affect him. But the way those other guys played, I'm sorry, but. Those guys defended hard in game three, and they defended like the, – the Lakers are a team that generally does things in burst, and they generally save their good defense for the fourth quarter. 
But the way they came out in that game three, man, not really just LeBron as much as just the rest of the team. I think the rest of the team was just ready to just shut us up. And the Grizzlies weren't able to match that same energy or even close to it, really. Um, given that, that Dylan Brooks, man, the, the liability that he was offensively was just too much to overcome. It, it just was. Uh, the spacing wasn't enough. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter how much it, it motivated the Lakers or not. It'll always forever be debatable. But, I mean, LeBron's talking a lot of mess now, so maybe it bothers him more than he put on. He's, he's, he's been on a, on a, on a Twitter rant all weekend, uh, basically in, indirectly talking trash back to the Grizz. But um, anyway, I think what matters is how the team folded and how specifically, you know, Dylan Brooks skipping three media availabilities um, following those comments, I think was just – too much. I think. I think you guys are right. The front office. They were pissed. They. They mentioned it. They specifically mentioned crossing the line, um, and I just believe they felt like it did cross the line. And for them, they really want to go forward. They a lot. One thing. If if the if Clement's comments wasn't wasn't proof enough, right? There were several comments that. Just from everybody else versus Dylan, you guys kind of hinted at that before, right? With his comments about how he doesn't think, you know, he doubled down on the LeBron thing. But it was more than that. It was really he kind of talked about how that just makes him who he is, right? That the the trash talk and all of that. Meanwhile, the rest of the team is saying we want to walk the yeah. walk, walk the walk. Jai saying, I'm probably not going to be talking as much trash, and the rest of the team will follow. And Dylan Brooks is saying, I feel like I would just be another guy. If I wasn't, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't that boisterous character, it, from from top to bottom, it just didn't match, and so that was just another strong indicator to me. Yeah, I, I thought it was very. I thought it was telling that you didn't. They didn't mention Dylan Brooks' name uh, specifically, but as Candace said, when when you when you talk to Ja and and Desmond Bain, those guys, all they made comments about the talking, and that's something that they wanted to kind of get away from going forward. And those were, I think, subtle shots at, at at Dylan Brooks. I think as an organization, I think they kind of all decided that, man, we got to try to change our image. We have to move on from this. And, yeah. and then on the other side of it, you got Dylan Brooks kind of doubling down on it, basically saying that this is me and I'm not going to be me if I can't do that. Right. And that just shows you that they were on completely different pages. So <laughs> this doesn't surprise me at all and how quickly this is Something together. I mean, it, it was pretty clear coming out of that availability that Dylan Brooks was not going to be on this roster anymore. Um, and you saw Ja with the tweets today, uh, just showing homage to, to Dylan Brooks and those guys. Like I said, he was beloved in that locker room, but I think they understand, man, that in order for them to move forward and kind of move away from some of this outside noise, because that stuff got heavy this year and yeah. they can, they can say that it didn't bother him, but it, it clearly did. I, I don't think there's any, question that this outside stuff and this narrative and these rumors uh, about these guys and, and what, what, what kind of guys they are and, and their, their thugs and all this kind of stuff. That's, that stuff got to them this season. I don't think there's any question and, and they got to try to try to try to move away from that, man. And I think it was going to be hard to do that with Dylan Brooks because I think those statements by Dylan Brooks right there showed you that he wasn't going to rein it in. I mean, that was, that's him and that that's, what he's going to be. And I, I think it would be hard for him to kind of change. I think that's his character and that's the guy that he's going to be, man. And I just don't think you could have that on this team anymore. And I, and even outside of all of that stuff, I think the bigger part of, of it is just his play, his play on the floor, man, just, just bad, but just super inefficient. And even in this series, like I said earlier, his defense wasn't even what we were used to seeing from him. And wasn't that you talk about going up against one of the guys they call the goat to LeBron it just it didn't match, and that just made it heighten it even more. The, the outside stuff, the fact that he wasn't backing it up at all on the floor, I think made it even more glaring. And, and I mean, that's where why we're headed to where we're headed right now. So I, I want to go back to something that uh, that Candace kind of mentioned there, and the the trash talking stuff. Mm-hmm. That th- that's part of the game. That's been part of the game. You go back, you watch videos. People talk about you know Larry Bird talking crap. I saw a video today, Paul Westfall, when the, the Suns with Charles Barkley went down. 
you know, two two games to none in a five game series and ended up coming back to win that series. Like trash talk is an important part of the game. And the one thing that I don't want, I don't want this team to fall back and become Steph Curry. I'm I'm not interested in being a front runner, man. Like if that's your game, then then do it. If that's how you play the game, if that's what you do, then do it. Don't wait until you're up 15. Don't wait until the series is over. Like it's easy to talk shit whenever you're up 15 or when you're up three to one in a series. And I, I'm just not interested in seeing a team. If they're not going to talk shit, then when they win a series, when they're up big, don't talk shit. That's just kind of how I feel about it. If you're, if you're not going to do it, fine, don't do it at all. But if you're only going to do it when you win, then like, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be associated with that. Not that I'm really associated with it anyway, but that's just part of it that I'm not interested in at all. I think they were front runners this year. Now, more maybe more Dylan than others, but I, I think they became known as the front runners then because, you know, they if things were bad, they really didn't have anything to say. Now, I'm not really sure that was the vibe last year. I really don't feel that that was the case. They were sort of confident and had that swagger regardless, but this year it changed. And uh, it changed for it sort of changed for the worse. And I think it has something to do with Isaac talking about it, like some of the outside comments, outside noise. Uh, even Ja mentioned in his in his exit interview was saying part of him, he felt like he'd made some changes in different strides. I think he was asked about something along those lines, and he basically said, uh, "There's less drama, less less Ja in the blogs. It's less drama for me. I think, I think they." I think at this point, at least Ja is going to prefer that. I think he, I just don't think he wants the drama. I don't think he, he feels like he's in the headspace to deal with that kind of thing. And I think that's fair. And he, and honestly, he shouldn't have to. Yeah. There was definitely a difference this year. Uh, because I, last year, I used to talk about it all the time. I was like, I love the, the trash talk that this team does and the swagger they had because for the most part, last year, they backed it up. Yeah. This year, that has not been the case. I mean, they've come up small time and time again. I mean, we you go back to, we talked about this before, that Christmas Day game against Golden State. All that trash talk that they talked, building up to that game, and Golden State came in super short-headed, and they got smacked in the mouth. Yeah, um, and you just nobody look was at their, to play that game. Nobody. He, ja was it. Yeah, Ja was the only person that showed up in that game. And, and throughout the season, I mean, just the, the losing on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think just you can't be a team that has this swagger and talk trash, but you can't win on the road. Um, anytime they got down big, most of the time they they were they were front, they were definitely front runners this year. When they got down big, that usually meant that they weren't coming back. I mean, they get blown out in games. It's just they just didn't back it up this year. If if you're gonna talk, back it up. But this year, even for me, man, it got a little bit bit cringe because they just weren't backing it up the, the way they had done in the past. And same thing, you go into this Lakers series, and again, I, I don't fault job for saying fine in the West at all. But I, I knew when this once the series ended the way it did, people were gonna bring that back up. Like I feel like that that comment right there, man, I don't have any issue with it. People yeah act like they've never seen an athlete make a a, a claim like that and, and it end up not going that way. People say stuff all the time. You put a camera camera in front of their face and it doesn't always back up. And they were stacking in the West. This team was banged up going to that series I mean, if you you finish second in the West, man. That's I've seen some people say some stuff worse than that that didn't turn out, and they never got the backlash that Ja got for that comments. But uh, again, man, they they just didn't seem to back it up this time. They came up small a lot of times in in big moments, um, and they just folded. And that's something that we hadn't seen from them. Um, and I just hopefully they get back to to that next year. I don't have problems with having swag and talking and having bravado as long as you're backing it up. But if you're gonna come up small. A lot of times, like they did in this year at big moments, then I think it becomes more of an issue. I'm just not sure that's who they were this year. I think they were trying to hold on to the Grizzlies of last year, and I get why, because it was a good momentum thing, but I'm just not sure that ever really fit the roster, the the new people. I, I think they did their best, and I think it was, I've talked about this in, with Josh specifically. I'm not sure... I think a decent part of that was just 
bravado. I'm not sure he was ever as confident as he put on himself to be. And a lot of that had to do with the culture and all of that. But I just think as things, especially for him, sort of got tough for him mentally, it just really wasn't who they were anymore. So it gets really hard to back up what you don't really believe. And, I, and I'm and i not saying they don't believe they're good players or anything. I just think Ja was, ja was struggling and he's a leader. He's a leader of that team. Like if he's struggling and he doesn't quite believe it as much as he used to believe it, then it's, it just gets hard for the team to get revved up to the same level that they used to. And I think you saw that. And some of it is not just the, the mental of it. It was roster construction. We've talked about that and some of the yeah. issues that come with that too. But uh, there were a lot of factors that went into it. But I, I go back to go back to what you were saying, David. We we hope that it's hard to say they weren't front runners because they are now. We just got to hope that they can find a new identity that really fits them that's true to who they are. I think Kyle and, Kyle and Mel played, um, they were a big part of that culture last year. Like if you talk about the guys that made up sort of what they were, I, I think they were big pieces in that even more so than their play on the floor. I, I think in that locker room, I think they were a big, big part of that. And to Candace's point, I do think there was just a different team this year. Some of the new guys that they brought in, things just shifted. And I think those main guys tried to kind of, Hang on to that when it when it really wasn't there to so much this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, man. I I just felt like coming from last year and what they were doing, and, and watching them this year, maybe maybe it was a little more front running, and I'm just looking through like my Grizzlies colored glasses and not seeing that part of it. But to me, that's not. Like I, I'm just not a fan of that. I've never been a fan of that my entire life. Like if if you're gonna go out there and, and you have something to say, just say it. You know, if you're you're up, you're down, whatever. If you're you're confident, be confident and let that show. Don't cower back and then oh now all of a sudden you're up. Now let's talk that crap. I, I want to shift into something else now. Let, let's let's talk about some of the comments that Kleiman made, we we talked about him briefly and then we went into the Dylan Brooks stuff. He was, he was asked a, a ton of different questions, but one of the things that, that was interesting to me is I think this is as close as you can get to someone admitting that they were wrong when he was asked about like the direction moving forward. And he's like, did we really have to triple down on youth? Mm-hmm. And so it, you guys have have you went back and watched video of of the uh, the climate interview at all? Or I'm sure, like I know that we were tweeting stuff out, and, and there were a number of other Memphis media mem- members that were tweeting things out. What what was your biggest takeaway from the climate interview specifically for this end of season media? Well, the first for me, uh, I think. Him being up front, I, I really appreciated that because I think for the first time, you didn't really get quote unquote GM speak. I mean, he seemed real and genuine. Like, as you said, he seemed to admit that they didn't have to go so far with youth as they went last offseason, which I, I said that last offseason, I think he's kind of admitting basically not that I was the only person that felt this way, but that I was. I was right in some of the moves that they made with this roster. I mean, you're you're coming off a season where, again, I feel like they could have been in the NBA Finals possible last year. And then you lose veteran players, and then you go and add five rookies to the roster. It's just kind of a weird kind of way to view that. Um, And and I think they kind of paid for it at times this year. Early in the season, it looked like things were going to work out. I mean, you had Conchar playing really well. Um, All the rookies were – Playing well, and you had Kunchar, you had even at that time Laravia uh, played some some good minutes there earlier in the season, and then it reality kind of hit, and Kunchar came down to earth, and Laravia came back down to earth, and it Santi Aldama was kind of the only one of that group, and and Roddy came on later. He did have a kind of a down period there in between, but but Roddy was kind of Roddy and Santi Aldama were kind of the only ones that looked like they were rotation players going forward, and I think it showed. It showed in in the play in the playoff series against the Lakers, it showed when they had injuries. You, last year, anytime they had injuries, they were able to kind of 
pick things up and still win basketball games. And that wasn't the case this year. And I think a lot of that had to do with them going younger on the bench. Um, and I think now they realize that that's not going to get it done. You can't be this two kind of two plane thing. Like you're contending and part of the roster, but you also developing on part of the roster that you can't really have that balance and win at the highest level. It, it's, it's hard to do because at some point, man, you're going to need those guys on the bench to produce. And most of those guys showed in his playoff series that they just weren't ready to do that. Uh, they're, they're not quote, quote unquote, at this point, 16 game players, as they say. And I, I think he had admitted that they could have went a different direction. Um, and I, I, I said it time and time again, man, this team, you can, you, you need a couple of veterans. It wasn't so much that it had to be Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton, but if it wasn't going to be those two guys, I think they should have brought in some other veteran talent. I think they relied too much on hope for a team that had designs on possibly winning the championship. I don't think you can have that much, that many eggs tied in the basket of, okay, well, we we hope these guys can step up. We hope Conchar can step up and be the backup shooting guard. We've never seen him do it, but we hope he can. We hope Zaire continues to take a, another step. And not only does Zaire not take a step forward, he took a step back. And and that really, really hurt them this year. And I think they kind of learned some some tough lessons. And I'm just hoping that going forward, we see the efforts that we saw at the trade deadline. I, I, I like them going all out. Uh, the possibly get, like I said, I'm not a big fan of them acquiring OG, but that showed you that they were willing to go out and make a big piece. I think it, I think they admitted kind of to this at the deadline, even before we heard Zach Cummins comments on Sunday. I think at the deadline, they were admitting that they made a mistake. Uh, but they went out to OG, went hard after Mikael Bridges, uh, were willing to pretty much break, break open the war chest to kind of get either one of those guys in here. That's just, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see them build on what they already had instead of just solely relying on internal development. Um, and according to what Zach Lyman said on, on Sunday for the first time, he hinted at it last year, but this year he just put it by, put it out on the table that they're willing to to turn the page, man. And I think that's a, a positive thing for this franchise. I think it's time. Um, I, I actually think it's a year too late, but I guess never late to never better late than never. Um, and from, that's what I took away from his comments that they're, finally willing to turn the page away from development and really go in and, and put the pieces around the big three to to compete at the highest level. Um, and so I'm excited about this offseason. I know proof is in the pudding. We still have not actually seen that uh, from, from this front office. I know David is a little bit more skeptical. I, I feel good about it because because of what I saw at the, at, the, at the deadline. I felt like if they did it then, they're definitely going to make a push this summer, man. But we'll see. I'm just glad to see him finally say it. Uh, but I thought he was saying it last year, and a lot of people kind of say that we were kind of jumping the gun a little bit on that, but he kind of laid it out on the table this year. So I'm going to hold him at his word, man, and I hope that that's kind of how they operate and, and how they move throughout this offseason. Yeah, self-awareness is, is is really rare to see in, in really front offices in general, but <laughs> they really don't seem to sometimes show a lot of self-awareness, but Zach Kleiman did to, to, to piggyback off what Isaac was saying and admitting that it was a mistake to go that far in the youth. Now, I will say, I do think there's some level of balance you can have in terms of development versus veterans, but development like two, three max guys, like tops, like really two is, is really more ideal. Like you can have a guy or two who you're hoping can develop, but still get vets on the team. Right. I think that's possible. And they did the complete opposite of that. <laughs> and that was, you know, cleaning house. And uh, I, I always felt like the Mel move in particular, I felt like, you know, from a defensive perspective, I always thought Kyle would be missed. But I thought the Melt move was always was particularly problematic. And that's why my whole contra replacing uh, Melt never made sense to me, really, because they, it was a skill set. It wasn't even De'Anthony Melton itself as much as, like Isaac said, like the skill set wasn't there anymore, not to the same level at all. It's a huge drop-off there. And so uh, they admitted some of those things, which you love to see. Um, you saw some self-awareness from Josh from top down. And Isaac talked about this in the offseason before, and I think everybody kind of acknowledged it. It's just everybody felt like they had a right to be 
And that was arrogance, right? Uh, how there were, they were kind of arrogant in their approach. And most people felt like, well, they should be because they've made all these things and they've, they've, they've built the franchise and they've done great. And I think what, what happened was that arrogance really just trickled down to the players. I think that's what you saw. Now, I think this is something that they can completely bounce back from, from everything that I heard in the interviews. And yeah, you, you lose some by, you know, a missed window, right? Like there's some going to be some opportunity cost to the decisions that they made from the front office perspective. But I think from a reputation perspective, I think from an organizational perspective and roster construction perspective, they can definitely make the right moves. You got the right headspace and that matters more than anything else. If they were still stuck in the mud, that that was the right choice, then this, this organization would be in trouble. So from Taylor Jenkins, from, from everybody, all the things that I heard in the exit interview it was encouraging to me because it made me aware or or let me know that they see the same things we all see and that they are going to make the necessary steps to improve them. Um, And and that's key. I think that's the key. Now what they do with that, we're going to see. It's a lot of question marks still. And there's a lot of work in my opinion that needs to be done, but at least they'll continue to be looking for those opportunities, right? Even if it's not all done, in the offseason the way we'd hope, you want them continuing to look for those types of things, understanding that they need to kind of undo some of the things that they did and how far they leaned into that you. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of, you know, Isaac said that I was a little more skeptical and I'm I'm going to be until they do something to yeah, the the canard move. I agree that that was kind of a, a step in the right direction, but getting talent on a roster and building a championship roster is two different things. And so that there we, we have watched climbing in this front office, get talent on this roster. The next step for them is putting the pieces around that talent to get it to the next level. And I'm just, some of the things I was encouraged by some of the things that he said and some of the stuff that he said, I I don't know. I I have a little bit of concern and and it's not so much the, the players that he was talking about specifically as it is the, the age of those guys. And yeah, this is a young team. You've got a a window here where you're going to see them ramp up. Jordan didn't win his first title until he was like 27, or 28 LeBron didn't win his first title until he was 27. Not everybody comes in the league and wins a title early on. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a ramp up. Sometimes it takes your franchise a little bit of time to put the right pieces around you. And, and that's, that's where we're at. And in this transition, we, we have watched Ja go from, a guy that like a franchise changing player, right? This team's in full rebuild mode and year one, they're knocking on the door of the playoffs with John Morant. And so we're watching him kind of evolve as a player. He's, he took some knots this year and now what is he going to do next season? We watched Jaron come out and evolve at the end of this season into, you know, the, what we all hoped that he would be. And there are still some people with some doubts on that, but defensive player of the year, his rebounding was better this year than it's ever been. He's adding more muscle to his frame. So he's, he's able to get in there and bang with those bigger guys, but I I'm not going to get my hopes up that they're going to make this big all in move that a lot of people are hoping that they're going to make is this the time? Yeah, it's absolutely the time right now before you get all these big contracts kicking in because you're going to have to pay Bain. Kleiman was pretty clear about where he stood on Bain. Like he, He's a corner piece for this franchise moving forward. So Bain is going to be here. You're going to have to pay him to keep him. So you're running very, very narrow on this time frame of when you're going to have the money to go out and add those pieces that you're wanting. And that's, that's what concerns me that there are a lot of teams that get to this point where the Grizzlies are right now, and then they fumble the bag. And I'm hoping that Kleiman is able to make that transition as a GM. Cause he's still new 
from getting talent on the roster to transition into winning championships. Some guys can do it. Some cannot. And I'm not implying that I don't think that he can. I hope that he can. He hasn't done anything to give me concern that he's not going to be able to do that, but it's just, you know, there's no championship here yet until that happens. I'm still going to wonder if he can do it. And, And that's, you know, he, my cause for concern when I mentioned that I'll talk about the players that he, he discussed in his interview, Kenneth Lofton jr. Was the guy that he talked about. I love junior. I wish that they would have invested more in him this year instead of kind of handling it the way that they did. And then he talked about X and how X is definitely going to be a part of this team. And so then that, that leaves the question. If you're, you're talking about the front court was in shambles this off season, it wasn't great. You have, Aldama, who needs to add some weight, he'll be better next year, I believe. And then I think Lofton is going to have a bigger role next year. Is a front court with Lofton, Tillman, and Jaron going to be enough to to get this team over the hump? You should theoretically have Adams back healthy and Brandon Clark maybe toward the end of the season. But I feel like that's an area of concern and – I think that that's something that they're going to address internally rather than trying to go outside to do that. Yeah. I, I, see, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, though, those are great points uh, because climate has done a, a lot of good things uh, since, since he's taken over at the ham. There's no question about that. But the point that they're at right now, this is where the money is made. This is where he will be determined whether he's clean climate or not. Uh, because you get a job Moran, uh, that makes it a lot easier. You get number two pick, get job Moran. That not saying that that did not to take away from any of the accomplishments, any of the, the picks he made when you're talking about moving up to get Brandon Clark or Desmond Bain or, or something Aldama, but it does make it a little bit easier when you get a, a transitional star like that. When you get that opportunity, it makes it a little bit easier to, to build a team. Uh, now this team was way ahead of schedule, but now that's not the case anymore. Now it becomes real. Can he take a team that he built quickly into a, 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 a semi-contending team, a team that's finished second in the West two years in a row? Can you now build that team into a championship contender? And that's something different. We haven't seen him do that. We've seen him make good moves. But as, as David said, that's a kind of a horse of a different color. Now can you take that next step? And that's where he's going to really prove whether he's keen climbing or not. And – I, I hear what David said about the front court. They're they're kind of saying that they're going to handle that internally, and that's kind of scary because that kind of goes back to some of the things that they were doing before that maybe didn't work out so well. Like, I, I definitely think not that there's any issues. I think something I've done was great, man. To get him where you got him, the leap that he took this season, I think that's fantastic. But next year with him, and, and Kenneth Lofton Jr., who anybody knows, he knows I'm a big fan of his, along with Jerry, you're not going to have Brendan Clark probably for most of the year. Is that going to be enough to put this team in position to win the championship? I, I don't know. Uh, again, that's leaning kind of into development again, and I feel like the front court is a position where you probably need to go out and add somebody outside of this team, and if you hear him making those comments, that doesn't give you a lot of confidence that that's what their plan is there. Uh, but it from them talking, it's probably seems like they're just kind of focused on a wing and, re, and replacing Dylan Brooks. It's kind of their main focus. And I think there's some other areas on this roster that that need addressing outside, just that they don't need to go internal. And I think the front court is one of those issues. And it was kind of interesting the comments that they made about Steven Adams, because it's still he didn't seem like it was one hundred percent like he was still using words like hope and we expect him to be ready by by the time Kim started, by the time the season starts next year. I don't know what happened with that situation, man. That situation is still weird to me. They said he had an inconclusive MRI, but now they're saying definitively that they know that he doesn't need surgery on it. You saw him out there shooting around. I mean, he was even jumping on the knee. I saw at one point in one video. I, I, don't, I just don't understand what's going on there. Like, I don't know. There's something that doesn't meet the eye about that situation and I don't know what their angle is. I don't know what advantage they would have had of not playing him in this series. But just all of this stuff that they're saying that he doesn't need surgery. But I, I'll listen 
intently when Kleiman was talking about him, he didn't seem to be 100% sure that he was going to be ready to go. And we're talking about months in the future. And that's strange to me for, for what was the initial timeline? Like, it was you remember like three what, to five weeks, three to five weeks. Yeah. Three to five weeks. And we're like months past that now. And we're still talking like they're not sure what's going on, but even though they say he don't need, he doesn't need surgery. Like, I don't, I don't know. That situation kind of worries me uh, with Steve Adams because they just don't seem confident about it. Like I, I would have liked him for the friend to say it on Sunday. Yeah, man, Steve, Steve's going to be good to go. He's going to get an off season program. That's not kind of how he handled that situation at all. He act like there were still some questions going on with that knee. So that's definitely going to be something to watch going forward. But as far as what they need to do, I don't necessarily even think they need to bring in a, a, a fourth star, so to speak. Um, and, and we talk about the the contracts of Jared and Ja kicking in. The thing about it is if they do go make, bring in one of what you would call, I guess, the big fish, like an, an OG or Mikhail, which I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's off the table. I think they're going to try, but I don't think they're going to be able to pull that off. But just say they were. Those are guys that, like OG, for OG, for his instance, he's going to be a free agent at the end of next year. You're probably going to have to pay him $30 million plus in order to keep him. And you're talking about having him locked up on that contract. You're talking about John Jerry on those contracts. You're talking about going into luxury tax. Uh, Robert Perra has said that he's willing to do that, but we'll see that if it actually happens. This is just a, a big offseason for this team. Um, I think it might actually be better for them to forego a, a guy like OG and maybe bring in two or three other guys on, on smaller deals, maybe like guys like the Dorian Finney-Smiths of the world, guys like that. I think maybe you bring in a couple of those guys. Maybe Cam Johnson might be a little bit cheaper than, than what you'd have to pay some of those other guys, even though he's going to be looking at significant money as well. I, I think that it might be better for them to plug holes with multiple guys instead of just trying to bring in one big guy, especially roster building wise in a small market to have that money spread out over multiple guys, I think will be better than like paying OG $30 million. I just, I'm just, OG just ain't the guy for me, man. I I believe they're going to make a, another run at him. The price is probably going to be a little bit cheaper than it was at the deadline, but he's just injury prone. He is better than Dylan Brooks, but I don't know if he, you plugging him in, just him solely moves the needle a whole lot for this team. I, I think they will be about on the same level with OG as they are now. I don't think he comes in and makes a, a huge impact. I think because offensively, their style, well, he's he's more efficient than Dylan Brooks, but he's not the guy that I'm just going to say, man, I really I can really rely on him offensively either. Uh, so that it's going to be interesting to see how they play it, but I don't necessarily think that they need one big guy I think they can bring in two or three guys to kind of kind of fill some holes. I think that might be better fiscally and economically for the team going forward. And it's just going to be interesting to see how Climate handles this because we've never seen him in this spot. We've seen him building the team, but we haven't seen him, I guess, put the roof on it, so to speak, and finish it off and build his team into a championship contender. That's where it's going to really show whether he's quote-unquote King Climate as people have called him. Yeah, I agree. So there, there's a lot more to uh, the the exit interviews that we could talk about. We've got all off season here to talk about it. I don't want this episode to run too long, so we'll go ahead, uh, Candice. But before we wrap it up, do you have anything else that you want to discuss? Uh, no, I, I think I pretty much agree with with a lot of what Isaac said. Uh, you know, in terms of, I, I know for sure I agree with finding multiple pieces. I don't think I really don't think you're at the point where you need a fourth guy. I really just think they need better depth and it's really about increasing the margins and really getting better about them around the margins at this point and seeing, finding out what that looks like. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I'm not too worried about the Steve-O stuff. I actually didn't get the impression that they said that he was going to go through the rehab plan and they expected him to, to start at the regular beginning of the regular season. I don't think they're going to guarantee anything. I, don't, I mean, I don't think – I'm not sure how much more you can put out there. I mean, they've never been one to say, we guarantee a person will be out here by such and such time. So I think that's about as good as you're going to get. Uh, it, it was a weird situation, but I, I do think he'll be fine uh, going into the regular season. And if not, I mean, we'll see. But, I, yeah, I expect, especially with them not requiring surgery, that's huge. So that's that's a big deal. 
So that that's it's a lot. There's a lot to be, you know, there's a lot of questions going to the offseason, but also, um, you know, you got a really young core. And I think if they look at this the right way, um, it, it could be an exciting time again for the Grizzlies next year. Yeah, I think you have to. Like when you're looking at this roster, the core of Bain, John, Jaron, a lot of people would agree that that core is good enough to win a championship. So if you believe that that core is good enough to win a championship, adding somebody else, adding another big name player into that, somebody that's going to command a lot of shots just doesn't seem like a good recipe to me, you know, going out and adding a guy like Mikel Bridges because of what he is capable of. Like, yeah, I think that would be a good fit, but where do the shots come from, right? You know, Dylan took a number of shots this year, so you have those shots to fill in. There, There's a lot of questions whenever you're constructing a roster that these GMs have to address, and, and I think that Kleiman and this front office believes that the core of Jaron, Bain, and Ja are good enough to win the title. You just have to get those right pieces around them in order to, to make that happen. So we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will Two One. Candace is going to tell you where she, where you can find her, and then Isaac will give you his closing thoughts, and we'll get out of here. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Candace H Nine Hundred One. Lots to look forward to for the Grizzlies, so we'll continue to get your coverage throughout the offseason. Isaac, take us home. Yeah, man. And final final thought on kind of what I, I feel like they need to go out and add. I, I think spacing, 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 spacing. That's the big thing that I think this team needs. I'm, I'm at the point now where outside of possibly a five, a center, I don't really want them to add anybody that's not at least a threat to, to make a shot. Um, I, I think getting guys in here that will that, that'll open the floor up, I think opens up the game for everybody. And I think that's, that's their biggest problem. Uh, you get C back in here with the offensive rebounds, the, the, the screen setting that he sets, and you got guys out there that can, Make threat that a threat to, to, to hit shots. I think that opens everything up. A job it just makes make this roster complete. I, I think that's their biggest issue going forward. So you just need guys that that are going to be efficient. Uh, that that stay within themselves. That's why I'm a big fan of Dorian Finney-Smith. It's possibly a guy that can replace some of what Dylan Brooks brought because he he's a guy that doesn't get outside of his game. He knows what he is. He's going to take good shots. He, he's not going to force anything. And that's just kind of what you need. Uh, Dylan, if he had done that, man, would have been a perfect fit for this roster. But it just seems like for whatever reason that they he couldn't get to that point. Um, I, I hate it again because he's been a big part of this, man. But it was time to move on, like like we all said, man. It looks like that's going to be the case. But, man, be on the lookout for for our draft coverage, man. We got that got that coming up here with the next week and a half. It's one of David and I's favorite times of the year. We, we try to knock out pretty much all the prospects. I think we got – probably about 90% of them last year. I think probably even more than that uh, the year before, man. So we're going to have some fun with that, man. So tap in with us. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, but you can get the show at Ethos Grizzly. Go over there and give us a like and a follow. You can find me on my personal Twitter page at Isaac Double Underscore NBA. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Until next time, we're gone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.